adults and youth, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and follow along with me. It's my hope for the next couple of times with you that I just want to do a, a few very straightforward messages from these classic Christmas passages. And instead of trying to get cute, let us just let God's Word speak to us. And so my hope today is just to read this passage in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25, and then allow you just to put your finger on word by word, verse by verse, as we work through this passage together. So I'm in Matthew 1. Follow along with me in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. As we pray, I'm going to pray that maybe your life this morning, maybe your week has not gone as you thought it would. And maybe you'll be able to identify with Joseph to say, this is how I thought things were going to work out. And there was this crisis. There was this interruption. And now God has something different for you. Let's pray that God would give us understanding of how it was for Jesus to be born and how the father, the earthly father, Joseph, had to adjust his plans. Lord, we do give thanks for this passage of Scripture that reveals to us your eternal plan to save us from our sins using a son that was sinless, that was born of a virgin. And now help us to hear these words freshly and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, then you're aware that the first 17 verses of Matthew 1 is what's called a genealogy. This is where we have the ancestry leading up to Joseph or Jesus here. And and you look at chapter 1, verse 1, you have a few of the heavyweights in the Old Testament. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the one in Genesis 12 whom God says, From you, I'm going to make a great nation. And your nation will be a blessing to all the nations. That blessing will come through a person, a promised person, Jesus Christ. David, the other name mentioned in verse 1, has to speak about the great king of Israel, a king who was a man after God's own heart. 
And God made a promise to David that he will always have an ancestor that sits on the throne. That physical throne and that eternal throne. So the first 17 verses of Matthew 1 have to do with natural birth. And then you get to verse 18, where there's this theme of birth continuing, but it's not a natural birth. Rather, it is a supernatural birth. Look with me at verse 18 again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a well-informed congregation. I believe if I asked the question, what does betrothed mean? That there would be an assortment of hands that would shoot up and there would be some wonderful answers given. Probably even better than I could offer. But this betrothed speaks of what we refer to as engagement. It is a couple that has come together. In the first century, this couple would have been arranged by their parents. And and it would have been identified, this is the young lady for you or this is the young man for you. This engagement process was much more binding than ours today. Today, a couple gets engaged and there's really nothing holding that together other than the purchase of a ring. But back then, it was actually legally binding. In fact, that couple would call one another husband and wife. In fact, if one of them to the other, it would actually be said that they had a divorce with one another. So here you have Mary and Joseph betrothed. And this period of time could last for an entire year. It was customary at this time then for the father's family to offer what was called a dowry. This was a payment. And this payment would go towards the, the young lady and her family. It would go to offsetting the wedding expenses as well as an insurance policy in some way, in the event that this young man actually divorced this young lady. The young lady and her family would have some money to be able to take care of her. Now we see in these opening words of this passage that marriage is highly valued here in the Bible. But not only this, purity. A young man and young women keeping themselves pure before they are married. We see here in verse 18 that before they came together, Mary was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Now we need to cut Joseph some slack at this point because he did not have Luke 1, uh, verses 26 and following to draw from. It is here where Mary is visited by an angel named Gabriel. And Gabriel tells Mary that she will be pregnant But she will be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And God is going to do a work in her life to allow her to be the mother of the Messiah. Joseph doesn't know this. All he knows is that he has pledged to marry to this young lady whom he cares for. And now she is pregnant. So let's read verse 19. It says, And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. There's a few words here that we could use to describe Joseph. The first word is the word just. We see that in verse 19. The word just in Greek just means that he was morally upright. 
He was a rule follower. He was a good man. He was one who valued what the Bible had to say about marriage and what it says there in the law. He's a good man. The second word that we could use to describe Joseph is that he was a kind man. Because you'll see here in the next part, he is unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. She, being pregnant before they were actually married, provides some sort of a scandal here for Joseph. This is grounds for a divorce. And as he is just, he knows what God's word says, he knows that there's a proper way to do this, his heart here, as a love for his fiancée, is not to shame her. You might remember in John chapter 8, there is a woman caught in adultery. Do you remember what happens? That woman caught in adultery is brought before a large gathering of men. And what's the purpose of that? To bring shame. That's right. And so, so Joseph is contemplating this. I know what God's Word says. I know what God's Word says about purity. By the way, if you'll just allow me to take a little segue here. The Bible really does value purity, doesn't it? It values this idea of a husband and a wife coming together and being virgins on their wedding day. And I think if you read the Old Testament and you surmise from that, do you know who the bulk of that responsibility falls on? It's the dad. It's the dad's responsibility to, to look after their, their young son and their young daughter, to, to monitor what goes on in their life, to look at their heart, to seek to guard, guard their heart, to keep them from impurity. And, and I think that's something that's alluded to in this passage and, and something as a dad that has been preached to me as I've been meditating on these words this week. May God have our children be pure. Of course, there's forgiveness to be granted to those who are not. I can tell you, and, I, and I'm veering a little bit here, but one of, the, one of the greatest weekends of my year this last year was, was taking our oldest boy on a, a, away from Milwaukee where, where we just worked through some material called Passport to Purity. And we just talked about, son, now you're getting older. You're becoming a man. And, and there's all sorts of desires that are awakening within you. It would be my preference that those would, would stay asleep for a long, long time. But God has given these desires to you that are awakening. And you need to know how these are appropriately released. And so let us spend a weekend in talking about that. There's great material out there by Family Life Today that, that could be of help to us. So the first word that I used here to describe Joseph was he was just. The second word I think that we see here is the word kind. Now, sometimes there's a person who is just, but they're not kind. Sometimes there's a person who is kind, but not just, right? I can think of a time when we, we were in Michigan and we were serving in the church there. And there was a man that attended our church, and he was just. He valued the Word of God. He could tell me of a season in his life where he would spend hours reading the Scriptures. And at the end of the sermon, at the end of the service, he'd meet me out at the, the greeting way as I would shake hands. And he would offer a word, some time of a compliment, uh, some time of a critique. I, I didn't mean it in a bad way, or he didn't mean it in a bad way. But just said, I appreciate what you had to say, but here are some words, here is a verse that you could have used otherwise. He was a just man. 
He loved the scriptures. I can think of another young mom and a couple of little kids that were coming to our church there in Michigan. And, and it was very clear that she was struggling just to make ends meet. And one day, this young mom with these little kids called and says, Hey, we are being evicted from our house. And they're throwing our stuff out on the curb. And, and the landlord is furious at us. And he's saying, we can't even take our own stuff. Would you come and would you help me? So me and another guy, we, we loaded up in his truck and we drove down to this house. And do you know who the landlord was? It was the just man. <laughs> it was the just man within our church that valued scripture. And when he saw me coming on the property, he says, Preacher, what are you doing here? You are enabling a sinner. And I said, I'm actually just here to try to help the struggling young mom with her children try to get her stuff protected here. He was a just man, but he wasn't a kind man. I'll give you a third quality that I think we see here in Joseph. It's found here in verse 20. It says, but as he was considering these things, he had determined that he was going to divorce her. He had determined that he had made an appointment at the attorney's to, to draft up some divorce papers. And, and he wanted to do this quietly as to not to bring shame upon her. And of course, he could have applied Deuteronomy 22, verses 22 and 23, that what could have happened is he could have brought this woman, this fiancé, before the authorities, and she could have been killed for this, according to the Old Testament law. He decides, no, I'm not doing that. As I'm considering these things, as I'm meditating on these truths, as I'm pondering these things, he gets a word from the Lord. And isn't that the way it often is? When we are thinking and we are pondering and we're meditating, he gets a word from the Lord. That's Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will meditate, or, and he will make your path straight. It was Matthew Henry, the great Puritan, that says, The Lord gives guidance to the thoughtful, not to the unthinking. And so he is not only just, he is not only kind, but he is also a thoughtful man. And as he is thinking on these things, Verse 20 tells us, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Son of David. Joseph, let me remind you who you are. Now, if you've just read the genealogy in the first 17 verses, you see, understand the significance of this. Joseph, you are in the ancestry of King David. And I want to remind you who you are. I am coming to you today, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid. Why would he say do not be afraid unless Joseph was prone to fear? What would he possibly be afraid of? Well, clearly he could be afraid of his reputation, right? If he was to take Mary as his wife and raise a child that was not his, there would clearly be all sorts of comments made behind his back. There would be smirks when he passed in the marketplace. He would be raising a child that wasn't his. He could be afraid of his reputation. The second thing is, is I think there's a natural fear when, when a father realizes, I've got to take care of this son. I can remember in 06, 
February of 06, when, when Melody and I brought our oldest, our firstborn son, Abraham, home from Hurley Hospital there in inner city Flint. And we took that 10, 15 mile an hour, 10, 15 minute drive from the hospital back to our house. I gripped that steering wheel as, as, as tight as I had ever done that. I was as nervous on that drive as I was the day that I took my driver's license test. Why? Because I had this responsibility, the blessing of this responsibility suddenly now to raise this son. Joseph probably had no idea that if he were to, to take this responsibility of, of taking this son, that he had a cause for fear because there are people that actually would want to be killing him. But nonetheless, the angel says, do not be afraid. As it says here in our passage, you don't need to be afraid because that which is conceived in you is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He didn't know that an angel has visited Mary, but now an angel had visited him and said, you get the privilege of naming this child and you are to name this child Jesus. And here's what the name Jesus means. He will save people from their sins. It is the word Joshua from the Hebrew that's translated into the Greek, Jesus. He will save people from their sins. In what way? But we could spend the rest of our morning talking about that. He will save the people from the guilt of sin. Uh, Joseph would have known Psalm 32 verse 5 that says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I do not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Listen, Joseph, you might be a just man. You might be a righteous man. You might know God's law. But your son will save you from the guilt of your sin. This is the message that the angel is sharing with him. Not only the guilt of sin, but the dominion of sin. And I could go to Romans chapter 6, and I could look at this passage in chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. The angel is saying to Joseph that this son that would be born to you and to Mary, he will save you from the rule of sin in your life. This week I was listening to a pastor and he offered an illustration. Full disclosure, I'm not sure if it's true, but it's a great illustration. It it takes place in India where there was a a man that had purchased all of these birds. And what he had did is with every bird he took a string and he had tied it around one of their legs. And the other end of the string, he, he drove a stake into the ground and tied that string around that stake. And so what these birds would do was they would pluck around in circles all the time. They'd just wander around, but they were always bound to that stake. And one man looked on the scene, and he had compassion for those birds. And he says, I want to buy every single one of these birds. I want to purchase them. 
but I want to purchase their freedom. And so he bought these birds. And now he says, now, loosen them. I want you to unwrap the string from their legs so that they can be free. And you know what these birds did, right? They wandered around in a circle. And the new owner says, this is now why I purchased you. So he shooed them and he moved them away from their stakes and they went 15, 20 feet away. And then you know what they did? They went around in a circle. And he says, I have purchased your freedom. This is not what you are created to do anymore. Joseph, I, God has sent the son to you that will save you from the guilt of sin, but also the dominion of sin. So that people at Highland Crest in 2019 would no longer need to be a slave to sin. They wouldn't need to be a slave to pornography. Wouldn't need to be a slave to talking mean to your wife. You, you wouldn't need to be a slave to, to what people think of you. You wouldn't need to be a slave to food and, and overindulgence to food. Rather, you would be free from that. This is the good news that we have for you, Joseph. I'll give you a third one. He will save you not only from the guilt of sin, but the dominion of sin, but the consequences of sin. In Romans 6, verse 23, right? For the wages of sin is death. Listen, Joe. This little child that's being born into your fiancé is going to save you from death. It's going to save you from separation from God. This is the good news for you. This may not have been a part of the plan that you had for your life, but it is a part of the plan that God has for your life. Then we read here in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And now they're going to quote from Isaiah 7 verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When our family read through Matthew earlier in the year, we paused every one of these times where it would say something like this. And, and this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. And I said, boys, why is this here? And the boys would say, well, this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. I said, that is exactly right. And one commentator said there's eight different instances of this in Matthew. And I think this is the first. And so you have a second name now for that child. The first name is that of Jesus. And this speaks of what Jesus will do. He will save people from their sins. The second name offered for this child is the name Emmanuel. And this name refers to who he is. He is God with us. Monday evening, a group of us guys went down to watch a Bucks game and, and as we were uh, eating pizza just across the way from the Pfizer Forum, we were up in this upper room and we were visiting and talking about life. And, and there was some music playing over the speakers. And I heard a song that I don't think I've heard since my college days. And it was uh, Joan Osborne's One of Us. And the chorus goes like this. What if God were one of us? And I'm like, Joan... Don't you know what Christmas is about? That's the whole point of Christmas, is that God became one of us. 
And we hear that in the scriptures. We just sang about that. And in, in hark the herald angels sing. Let me read to you verse 2. It says, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is what we sing about during the Christmas season, that Jesus has come to be in our place. Jesus is God with us. Now, as we wrap this passage up, I want you to put yourself where Joseph is. Often when we come to this Christmas story, we think of Mary. And if we look at the account in Luke chapter 1, I heard it this week that young Jewish ladies all would have lined up to be the mother of this Messiah that would come. This was a very honorable thing for Miss Mary to be able to take on, that she got to be the mother of Jesus. Oh, think about that for a moment with me, would you? Imagine her lined up at the soccer field with all of the other girls, and they're watching their sons out there playing soccer. And you got one over here that says, yeah, my son is going to be on the traveling team this year. You got one over here that says, yeah, my son is accelerating in, in music, and he's going to a special instrument camp this summer. And another one over here that says, yeah, well, mine is advancing really well in science and math, and he's going to actually skip a grade. And what about you, Mary? Well, my son is God. How about that? You know, I, <laughs> and when you think about how this has played out over the center, centuries and generations, Mary is esteemed. I mean, there's a times I go over to pick and save over here, and as I'm driving, there's a house there that has a statue of Mary, right? I mean, people literally pray to Mary. Probably the most football, famous football play is named in her honor, right? Hail Mary. But Joseph doesn't get any of that. So Joseph, if he's like you and I, had a plan for his life. This is my plan. I want to have a young lady. I want to get married. I want to raise a family. And then an angel comes and says, God has a different plan for you. And it's a whole lot better than what it is for you. Now, what will Joseph do? So let's look at what it says here as we wrap this passage up. Let's pick it up there in Matthew 1, where it reads in in verse 24, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I like this Joseph. I think there's some humility in him. He had a plan. God said, that is not the plan for your life. I have a better plan for you. And he says, I am on board. Your plan is better than mine. And I wonder in what way could you identify with Joseph? This might be a little corny, but I was thinking of it this way. There are a lot of massive hardwood trees here in Green Bay. And my my father-in-law and mother-in-law have these huge oak trees in their backyard. One of them has some uh, rope that uses a swing that the grandkids go on. It's been a place of 
family pictures for years. Next to that is another couple of oak trees that have a place for a hammock there in the summer. And if these oak trees could talk, might they say something like, I am doing exactly what God has asked me to do. I am glorifying God right now by being used to hold up this swing for the family. This is what God wants of me. But what if God brought a crisis into that oak tree's life some July afternoon and a storm swept through and it knocked one of those oak trees down and they said, oh my goodness, now what am I going to do? My dream was to do exactly what I have been doing. Now it's all lost. And then the owner of the house and a few owners come with a portable sawmill and and cut that up and make some boards and they let that dry. And then the next season, they build a dining room table. And it is from this dining room table where the Bible sits. It's from this dining room table where it is read and where a family gathers together and prays and eats. It's from this dining room table from people from the community come over for a study and they hear of God's truth. If that oak tree could talk, it might have said, I thought this was my dream for my life, but God brought a crisis in my life, and his dream and his plan for my life is far better than mine. You have a crisis going on right now? I wonder if you wouldn't mind just surrendering that and saying, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I'll just wait and let God work. I suspect his plan is a lot better than yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Uh, Thank you for this truth of Jesus coming. He is God. He is man. He has come to save us from our sins. He has saved us from the guilt of sins, the dominion of sins, and the penalty of sin. As that was true for us, it was true for his own earthly father as well. And may we exhibit the same humility and say, Lord, this is what I thought my life was going to be, but I don't care. I want what you want for my life. And may I live that out today in the days to follow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.